0: All right, we decided
1: to do a little Gamer Monday tonight. Talk about three games, a really fun game between Denver and Atlanta. That's probably where I think we want to start. Then we'll hit on Utah and New Orleans, Orlando and Brooklyn, and any other games that Danny watched that I didn't get a chance to catch. Maybe hit on a little bit of news as well. But let's get started with this Denver-Atlantic game, Danny. And um, it was a career high for Nikola Jokic in this one. How did he do it?
2: Well, per, per, especially in the early part of this game, he did it a lot at the three-point line. They were The Hawks were conceding three-pointers to Nikola Jokic. Oh, I mean, Jokic,
1: this was, was- like beyond conceding this was like daring Begging. him to shoot it
2: yeah and i mean yes jokic can be very efficient at a lot of different types of offense but i mean he's so career 34 percent three-point shooter yeah he's been he was i think he was below 30 percent for the season before today but there wasn't a reason to believe that that was just who he is now and then what it kind of transformed into was Something that was true earlier in the game, but then he just was bullying all of their, got all of the bigs in foul trouble. Alex Len, I, I mean, Alex Len got five fouls in 21 minutes. Damian Jones only played six minutes, but basically couldn't stop fouling. Jokic, he got him on a on a screen, so Jokic 11 of 16 from the free throw line. On top of that,
1: yeah, and I thought that the strategy to just straight up let him shoot th- that makes a little bit of sense because maybe Pierce felt like, hey, you know what all this dho stuff some of the back cuts we want to take away his passing game a little bit and we'll just hang, have the center hang back and that's how we're going to do that and so maybe the thought is let's see if he can shoot it because he is shooting a pretty poor percentage this year he hasn't been as aggressive but i think it really backfired because he hit a few early and then that caused him to become extremely aggressive and he hit four of the first six from downtown another of other two-point jumpers that were pretty much wide open and then they really started getting it going and he was feeling extremely confident and given who the Hawks were defending him with he had every right to be the other thing that I thought was really nice from Denver I'm not sure if this was intentional or not but if you're posting up you can have whoever Trey Young is guarding, put him in the opposite corner so that if you want to double team, Young is the guy coming over to double team and he's just so utterly ineffectual there or he's so utterly ineffectual if there's any kind of a rebound off of the post-up as far as boxing out or doing anything physical under the rim. Uh, so they're able to get a couple of nice post-ups uh, with Young in that low man spot on the opposite side and it was really just an awesome performance uh, overall from Jokic. Uh, his career high had been that forty three. Points in Game Six last year against San Antonio, and he busted that with 16 to 25 shooting and the 47 points in this one.
2: I don't know if you felt the way that I did. That in many ways, this game was more of what I expected the Hawks to look like all year in terms of pretty solid offense when Trey Young was on the floor, shaky defense. we you know largely due to talent rather than I mean there was some execution stuff too, but then also getting shellacked when Trey Young was off the floor instead of the the team that's worst. In the nba net rating something we talked about in the 15 and
1: 60 yeah i mean this was a pretty slow paced game but a huge offensive game 131 offensive rating for denver 124 for atlanta and the big difference for atlanta uh, trey young played very well throughout most of the game had uh, some foibles late but they actually hit some threes they took 39 threes they made 46 percent of them herder was six of eight hunter was four of eight and those two guys uh, were really huge young only actually got up 12 shots in this game he had 29 points 12 assists and got to the following a fair amount did have seven turnovers it's interesting you know he had a couple of bad turnovers late but he had seven turnovers you're like oh that's awful but they only had 10 for the game so you have to kind of keep that in mind of him leading the the nba in turnovers to look at really what the team is turning over when he's on the floor because if he's the one making every single play that could possibly result in a turnover that's not necessarily as bad um so I, i try to do that with harden as well a lot of these high usage guys you say they have a lot of turnovers but you know if the team hasn't turned it over that much i think you can feel better about that anyway though um denver john schumann had this stat and it's i'm sure only going to get worse after they give up a 124 offensive rating in this one of the hawks they at christmas before they played the pels were second in the nba in defense and they've fallen into the teens now just based on these last two weeks and what did you see in this game that wow. might be an indication of like why that's been the case?
2: Huh. I mean that's that's a pretty that's a pretty extreme one. I mean they they did give up. I, I thought a, a lot of high quality three point shots. Did you feel the same way that I did?
1: Yeah, I, I did feel that way. I, and I mean Herder is a really good shooter. You know they gave up eight attempts uh, to him. Having him out there and starting by the way instead of Reddish uh definitely really helps. Oh yeah, huge. T- just a little bit. Um. Yeah. You know some of the Hunter ones weren't like unbelievable shots, but you know these these are not. These are shots that are kind of being set up mostly catch and shoot plays, right? If you give up a bunch of threes to the Rockets and James Harden and Russell Westbrook take a bunch of threes off the dribble, that's a little different than guys are getting set up for thirty nine three point attempts. So they have continued to give up a lot of threes. We knew that the three point shooting against for them was unsustainable. With teams shooting about thirty percent on above the break threes against them, you know league average is around thirty five percent or so on, on those shots. Corner threes teams sh- weren't shooting it that well either. They give up a lot of corner threes. So what they're doing was going to regress to some degree um yeah you know, obviously Trey Young is is very difficult for them to deal with they they actually beat Denver in Denver and Young had 42 points and they tried everything that you can possibly try against Trey too i mean they did you know I, and i don't think that they were doing like a terrible job of executing these coverages either i also don't think you know playing a a rookie michael porter more he's looked good offensively but that doesn't help your defense so there's a a lot of things you can probably point to um but most of them is just they were way over their head before and they're not the worst in the league but yeah
2: yeah and and something else worth noting um is just the the shots that a team that is forcing remember that was something that came up in the i think it was a 15 and 60 a while back that denver's opponent shot locations weren't great that's here's a stat for that tonight atlanta 20 22 shots in the restricted area, 11 from floater range five mid-range shots and then 39 three-pointers most of which were above the break but they did have 12 corner threes yeah so yeah 12 that, corner threes that, is a
1: ton that's like that's more than yeah. the worst team in the league gave up last year which uh denver i can't yeah. remember if they are the worst but they're close to it with about eight or and, nine and again
2: eight. this isn't letting let quote-unquote letting the right guys shoot when Herter gets eight trey young gets five yeah. yeah i mean john collins taking six is, is, is a little bit different and vince missed all four of his but generally speaking that's not it it, it wasn't a tactical thing in terms of you know letting twenty percent shooters get those off, and so yeah, that's concerning for the Nuggets. And there always seemed to me, at least, to be a little bit of fool's gold in the the brilliance of their defense. You know, I, I've talked about this with Chicago and a few other teams that maybe they're they're better than some people thought, but they're not as good as the numbers looked early on. And that's why you look at whole season numbers for a lot of these things is because they tend to normalize over the course of a full campaign.
1: I want to talk a little bit more about. Trey Young in this game. First of all, he had two of the moves of the season. In the first quarter, he nutmegged Jokic with a beautiful bounce pass, and this wasn't one of those passes where it's like he nutmegs him to the guy who's like standing right next to him under the basket. This is like out of the three-point line. He nutmegged him to Alex Len on the roll, who got an and-one. And then early in the fourth, he's in a pick-and-roll. John Collins pops out. I think it was Collins. I can't remember who the the foreman was. Porter was guarding him, and Young fakes the behind-the-back pass. You see that a lot. The behind the back pass to the guy at the top of the arc for a three and then goes all in one motion goes forward between his legs from back to front porter was under the rim just started running out towards the guy at the three-point line and young just went and laid it in it was just about as bad as you're ever going to fake anyone out and it just like the type of dribble moves that you know basically he and jar are the only guys who are doing this type of stuff you know the, chris paul used to be the absolute master at that and these guys have taken it even to another level from him so yeah
2: what did you what did you think about uh, some Somebody that I've been fascinated with this whole season because of the idea of the Nuggets figuring out their power forward of the present and the future is Jeremy Grant. I, I don't know. I was I, I, I keep on when I watch the Nuggets being conflicted on what his what his ideal role is, where he's he's not impressing me as much as I think he should. But again, the 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 Nuggets crushed the Hawks in his minutes, but I don't think that was Jeremy Grant being amazing.
1: Yeah, and the great defensive on-off numbers in the one-number metrics for Millsap and Barton. Well, he's been the other end of that, where they've really. got gotten hurt a lot with him out there and, they've started mixing up their units a little bit Murray now started the the second and fourth quarters he didn't have the greatest game came on a little bit late uh after having 39 points against the Wizards because everyone has 39 points against the Wizards the other night well
2: he also missed a free throw for the first time in a while oh yeah that was something I I was watching the Nuggets broadcast I think it was like 37 in a row that he had made
1: but uh, back to Grant yeah the three-pointer has not gone and he's been very aggressive taking it but I don't think teams are that worried about it and he's playing with Plumlee who's a, a non-shooter and um, he hasn't made a huge difference defensively they did give up the first for him he has the player option for next year and their power forward spot is fascinating porter is another one where you know he had made a couple of plays defensively you'll see he came over for a nice block on a jamie and jones dunk for example you know if he can actually get to where he can provide competent defense at power forward and with his shooting ability maybe he's the one who really opens up this offense back to what it used to be a couple of years ago if he can still defend well enough but you know him and Jokic as a front court pairing that's going to be a little bit tough in the long term defensively you would think uh, so I don't know we'll see so much is yet to be written in this Nuggets season but between Millsap Grant and Porter I think any one of them could be the Nuggets starting power forward next season
2: yeah I, I absolutely think that's possible uh I don't recall you mentioning this so far it's something you and I have talked about a little bit not on the show why is it that Goodwin didn't play during the non Trey games when the Hawks were getting crushed because he's not perfect but he even in in the games that they played he's looked confident he can can run some offense and they've needed that in the worst way
1: yeah i don't know the answer i mean he is on a two-way but it's not like this is one of those teams like they're the warriors where they just can't bring up a guy on a two-way they got plenty of roster spots sitting around they just really started playing him in the last week and a half and he's got some pretty good speed and athleticism he can change speeds he made a couple of nice passes to the weak side and i'm not gonna say he's a, a panacea but given their massive struggles at backup point guard and basically not playing one at all the fact that he didn't get any kind of a chance before this to me uh, has been mind-boggling and yeah the, he was negative 10 in seven minutes I didn't think it was necessarily his fault then Lloyd Pierce didn't go back to him in the very brief Trey Young rest in the f- fourth quarter and the Nuggets go on a 5-0 run in one minute with Young out of the game uh and Young was plus seven in a game they end up losing by 8-123-115 so yeah I mean I uh, would like to see more of him I think he can uh, give them a little something Hollinger I know really likes him he said they uh a- and the Nuggets know him well he was on a two-way with the Nuggets last year he was also in camp uh, with Memphis last year Hollinger's said he liked him so um yeah that's uh it is interesting I I did want to say a little bit more on Young I kind of distracted myself the Nuggets tried every possible pick and roll coverage on him in the first quarter and he still was awesome with 11 points and three assists hit a couple of really deep threes I mean all of his threes that he went four or five on were very very difficult attempts tonight and the Hawks do absolutely nothing to get him open off the ball and he doesn't really work that hard off the ball frankly either uh but first they start Jokic laying back in more of a drop coverage and so Young was able to get in the lane he wasn't necessarily finishing himself but he's so good at finding the roll guy that when you even if he just draws any kind of help from the big at all usually you can bring over a guy on the weak side and if he's kind of near the roll guy the point guard will be like all right i'm gonna give it up i'll throw it weak side or you know he's not open just because there's kind of a guy near him but young that's not the case for him he goes under the basket he'll find these incredible angles to get the ball to the role man he had this ridiculous pass out into space on a uh, deandre hunter cut where where he got fouled so they decided all right we got to change up a little bit then they're bringing Jokic up to the level of the ball the hawks then started setting their screens higher getting young off the ball finding the role man he he was able to make plays in four on three Uh, collins uh, was doing a, a nice job there at times len was doing a nice job there at times when he wasn't in terrible foul trouble uh he took 10 free throw attempts Made six of them. Then they tried switching a little bit with Grant and Young crossed him up and hit a three on him. And they even tried bringing Milsap all the way up to the, the ball. They had Jokic kind of up to touch and then retreating as fast as possible. They tried everything, and Young just made the right reads pretty much throughout. He is very, very difficult to deal with. uh I kind of think that if you have a really good defensive center, you just have to kind of hope that he goes for the floater. But he's shooting forty-seven percent from floaters, so from three feet to sixteen feet. He's shooting forty-seven percent. He's probably got the best floater in the too he can also draw a lot of fouls if you let him get penetration and you kind of lean on him a little bit uh so yeah i mean he is a great great offensive player the end of the game though you saw really where it comes apart for him defensively
2: oh yeah i mean gives it always gives the opponent a place to attack and i mean the tissue paper the the defense was something but also he had two just tough turnovers which is another way that a point guard can create problems for his team in crunch time yeah
1: just going into traffic he threw one out of bounds fell down probably could have called timeout, but they just took the ball away from him so those were pretty ugly
2: well and actually, actually that was something i wanted to bring up with you we haven't talked about this because they haven't been in this situation but do you think that his call seeking behavior could become more of a detriment if the hawks ever play in high stakes games you know like the, the when playoff games and refs wall the whistles and all that because i could imagine considering how adept he is at it that if that drops off it will be it'll, it'll also affect him mentally
1: no that that could be the case and overall mentally i mean this did not just from the body language appear to be that together of a team there are a lot of plays where young doesn't have the ball and he's got his arms up and they don't throw it to him or he's dribbling and doing something and guys want the balls on the perimeter guys and don't get it there's a play where young had a switch pump faked it the guy did a good job staying down gives it up sprints to get the ball back harder looks him off dribbles into his own pick and roll and throws it away so it does seem like based on that chris haynes story there are some growing pains here from a personality perspective with some of these guys um but yeah
2: one one small thing i wanted to bring up sorry did you have something else on that oh yeah
1: yeah and then young we haven't really even seen that many teams just say we're gonna straight up go after young one-on-one based on his size but the nuggets did that a couple of times with murray at the end of the game and uh, i tweeted that it was like e Yan Leon's chair could have done a better job of guarding jamal murray he just backed him down turned over his right shoulder and basically like he was able to shoot like a turnaround jump shot from like one and a half feet away and of course no help game because it's the hawks uh they probably should have given this is not a great three-point shooting team in denver um yeah you're you're gonna so uh, yeah young I think he's a really valuable player right now. At the same time, I can see him really struggling in a playoff setting. Certainly, he's not fully formed. He can try harder. He can get stronger. Uh, I think he has decent intelligence. But certainly, there's a lot of really negative habits he's getting away with. And that's without considering that he doesn't have the physical capabilities. He He just doesn't fight. He doesn't try.
2: And that's a big problem. I don't remember whether Trey was defending on the play. But one of my favorite decisions I've seen recently was there was a play, I think it was Will Barton, just got stuck you know didn't have his dribble had a defender all on him and so monte morris did exactly what a teammate should in that circumstance which is basically just run around and try to hope somebody makes a mistake and he got a wide open lip because of it i think it might have been trade that just straight up lost him. and if you know if a teammate's in especially if it's a later clock situation just trying to change the circumstances is a great way to possibly create an opening and if you don't then you're in the same situation you were before guy's still holding the ball
1: we're remiss in not mentioning will barton so far 37 minutes for him and 28 28- points 12 of 20 from the field three of six from three early on he had some beautiful finishes on the left side of the hoop right hand over his right shoulder shielding the ball he was getting downhill against those Hawks centers in pick and roll and really they were not able to offer much deterrent at the rim and he also was hitting his spot up so he was between he and Jokic uh, they combined for 75 points in this one and uh, both of them shot over 60 percent from the field so pretty impressive performance from Barton Jokic if he had just hit his free throws would have had 50 it was 11 of 16 from the foul line the nuggets also had four turnovers in this game which is pretty incredible how low that is and you know the hawks just do not put any pressure on the defense whatsoever and uh they other than Bembry, they really don't have anyone on this team who's going to force a turnover don't really have anyone who's going to block a shot either um yeah
2: I-, I was going to use speaking of not putting any pressure on the defense as a transition to magic nets but i think you would probably want to either talk more about this game or do no it.
1: i think we're, we're good on this one let us transition to Brooklyn and Orlando right after this. So, man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since... here in the room. That's 20% off your first order at American Giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us. I think my initial takeaway from this game, a 101 89 Orlando victory, was this is the most comfortable I've ever seen Marco Fultz look in his career.
2: Right. Yeah. He had that huge stretch late in the game that really took what was a tie game and made it a, a more comfortable lead. And that was really, it was a really important part. His full game stats, Marco Fultz was 25 points, 11 to 20 from the field, Two of from three got to the free throw line once four assists four turnovers and plus 18 in 30 minutes
1: yeah he returned to the game when it was tied at 78 the magic went through a nine minute stretch in this one without a field goal and i believe it was he who ended that and he proceeded to score 12 of their next 16 points as they took a lead that they would not relinquish basically it was a 16 to 4 run after he checked into the game seven of nine at the rim for faults and he really had struggled to finish in his brief cameos in philly he looked much better in this game i thought part of that even though Nikola vucevic you look at his line he was three at 12 but he was plus 18 also 24 rebound in this game the nets uh missed a lot of shots that can help uh, juice your rebounding stats a little bit but vucevic i thought earned that plus 18 and i think his minutes were largely mirrored with false he played 31 false played 30 because the Nets centers for whatever reason just were not near the basket i guess they were really respecting vucevic's Shooting ability, his screening ability away from the ball, his ability to make decisions out there. And so, usually, you will see the Nets really trying to choke off the basket area with Allen and Jordan. And on so many of these plays, part of it because Fultz is doing such a good job of pushing in transition, the Nets just did not have that big man at the basket to contest Fultz. And so many times, as Fultz going downhill, outside of whoever the center is they don't play anyone who's really larger than small forward size so there's no supplemental rim protection and so Fultz sees that and his eyes got huge and he was able to go right downhill for some nice finishes and he just he kind of had that bounce in his step just the the body language you kind of remember it from his college film where he's just sort of bouncing around and like just feeling like he was really enjoying himself out there it was great to see that again from him I mean the jumper still is you know it is what it is maybe he can make some more strides with that in the offseason but uh against this nets team tonight he was the only one who had it working but they couldn't keep him out of the paint
2: another thing that i think is important to talk about from this one this was actually my biggest takeaway though it's less positive than the Fultz thing was that yeah uh, orlando won this game eventually fairly comfortably despite a 101 offensive rating because the nets couldn't get anything
1: going oh yeah i mean this they had that 12 out of 50 game from three against the knicks when they only had the eight field goals 10 out of 47 or, or i'm sorry they only had the eight two-point field goals 10 out of 47 from three in this game and they didn't make up for it by shooting 30 free throws like they did in, the, in that game against the knicks they were a little bit better from two but still only 45 percent there and spencer dinwiddie for some reason only played 29 minutes in this one didn't have it working it's that lavert uh, did not play in this one and he was two out of ten from three really has not had the three ball working is it, it by far the worst three-point shooting season i think since he's been in a brooklyn uniform for him and he was missing some pretty open shots he looks a little off balance some bad misses and if he is struggling this team is just not going to score enough to win that's basically what it is because they don't have anyone else
2: right and i mean you could look at brooklyn shot chart that the idea of getting shots in the right places can be valuable but they have to be decent shots by guys who can actually make them so brooklyn 36 shots in the restricted area but they only made about half of them 11 floaters they only made three of them they only took two mid-range shots in the entire game and then that crazy 10 of 47 from three. So they took almost half of their shots from three-point range, but they made 21% of them, and they also... Uh, well, actually, they won the turnover margin, but they lost the free-throw margin by a lot. And so, the I, I pointed out this stat at halftime, and it actually didn't change that much over the course of the rest of the game. Brooklyn had a 76 offensive rating in the half court in this game and then they didn't really run very much and so that combination is deadly and you could think of that as feedback loops but it doesn't even have to be feedback loops because they're they're just their half court offense was so inefficient and that that it was just it was sabotaging everything
1: yeah and a steve clifford team orlando they're going to keep you out of transition as well it is hard to run on them and and but they did have some chances it's not like orlando was some unbelievable offensive juggernaut in this game either
2: well and also orlando having a, a really strong defense defensive game it wouldn't be that big of a surprise i mean they do have wonderful defensive talent but remember jonathan isaac is out that's a piece of news we should actually talk about al Faruk aminu is out and so they you know they have plenty of bigs and everything else and, and the nets aren't exactly a team that can make them pay but this isn't full strength orlando defense to be sure
1: no and we thought that orlando would have maybe the deepest power forward situation in the league in part because they started two power forwards and gordon and isaac but now aminu is out totally lost season for him he had that setback looks like he i mean if i I had to guess he's probably not going to play this year still has not no word that he's having that surgery and that Isaac suffered what looked like an extremely scary knee injury unclear precisely what it is because Woj called it a sprained knee but also said there wasn't any damage and he listed like a number of the, the typical ligaments there so if you have a sprained knee that generally means you sprained one of the ligaments and so it's unclear exactly what's going on there but he's going to miss eight to ten weeks this is another one where you would have to think he's on the cusp of not playing again this year especially since they're just going to be first-round cannon fodder anyway and he's a big part of their future and so this will be now two seasons for Isaac remember his rookie year where he missed much of the year due to ankle trouble that had been significantly impacted by injury that's something to to keep in mind for him so they started Wes Wundu in his place he actually wasn't bad in this game he took a three off the dribble that he made uh, and I thought he did a nice job defensively chasing around some of those net shooters uh but you know certainly offensively he's probably even a downgrade from what isaac was giving them and he's still not uh, the player on the basket defensively that isaac is they're playing some units with vucevic and burke or birch or even bomba and birch together in this game so really two centers that that'll be something to watch also note that Terrence ross didn't play that much and i thought he he got taken out after he missed a uh box out maybe the
2: worst the worst non-rebound of the year Yeah, or one uh, of the where worst?
1: he just didn't move towards the ball didn't move to box out his man and it was I want to say Temple who just came in for an easy tip and might have been Prince but that was just a perfect encapsulation of how you can be a dunk contest athlete and make absolutely zero difference in the floor game uh, over the course of your career Um, they also I think we're going to see more of Augustin and Fultz together and maybe they would play Fournier at the three Gordon at the four that might be one of their better offensive lines especially when you consider what a difference Fultz uh, makes in transition but I mean I would say that this could be big trouble for the nets who have now lost what five straight uh they sit at 16 and 19 or it could be big draw for the magic losing isaac but you know not exactly anybody uh breathing down their neck here for uh the seventh and eighth playoff spots this
2: is actually the sixth consecutive loss for the brooklyn nets and now they play oklahoma city and miami in their next two so this could get worse before it gets better if it gets better and yeah i mean the bottom of the east i mean we might as well just talk about this piece of news considering we're we're in this general range Magic 538 projects them to win 39, Brooklyn 35, and the next team is the Detroit Pistons. However, Blake Griffin is considering season ending surgery, which would probably lower that 32 down even further.
1: So this whole thing makes no sense to me. First it was he's playing on this knee. He has that great 45 point game against OKC. I hope that's not the last great game of his career. Then he misses a bunch of games down the stretch last year can't even play in their game to get into the playoffs misses the first two of the playoffs then comes back and plays to i can't remember if he played game four he definitely played game three of that series against milwaukee where they had no hope at all and the party line was oh well he can't injure it any worse you always love to hear that one right then he ends up having the offseason surgery full go supposedly for training camp everything's great plays a little at the start of the year and or in training camp doesn't look right then he misses a bunch of time then he comes back doesn't look right then he misses more time then he comes back doesn't look right gets an mri looks like he's going to miss a bunch of time no he comes back look the next game and now finally he's meeting with this specialist in la uh, i guess with detroit being out there it made that more convenient and he could have season-ending surgery but if the knee was fine did he do more damage to it after the surgery did the first surgery not work is there just nothing else there so he has to try something a little bit more high risk or experimental in terms of the surgery it it's not good i'll tell you that uh and i mean the the it really seems like the and we talked about that in 15 and 60 that maybe it's better you thought maybe they should start tanking well definitely seems like they should go more in that direction now i suggested he should maybe just sit out the season and try to get this right and that seems like surgery or no where this could be headed but it doesn't i mean he has had plenty of injuries in his career i don't know whether this is mismanaged or not but it doesn't really there's been a lot of weird inconsistent histories to it and so it's really just a sad situation ultimately because he really had lost so much athleticism and deserves so much credit for what he was able to do in developing his skill level but now he's at the point where he really it seems like he can't even play without paint and that's just a bummer
2: yeah it really is especially because he has been so important to this pistons team i mean they were so much maybe one of the most stark differences in the entire nba last year when he was on the floor versus when he was not for the pistons and they've had some guys step up this year including bruce brown finally making some threes which is exciting but he is still so essential to what they do and with I mean with even though Derrick Rose has stepped up it still would be nice to have him to have him on on the team and in the Eastern Conference playoff mix and all that so yeah this is a a pretty uninspiring group and there is plenty of latitude both because a low win total will get them in and because there are lots of wins to be had against your fellow bottom brethren but I don't know who it's going to be if anybody breaks out of that group
1: all right let's uh, finish things up with New Orleans and Utah right after this here And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use our CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us.
0: Every day, our world gets a little more connected
1: So there's another really fun one. Drew Holiday was unable to play after suffering a bruised left elbow after a fall on Saturday's win over New Orleans. And while New Orleans did lose this uh, and the Jazz swept a a three-game road trip, i thought my biggest takeaway is that lonzo ball continues to look closer to the player that many believed he could be and there's some who might say hey he was on fire for like four or five games right before he got hurt last year too and now he's kind of getting back to that level but this to me seems more sustainable because of the way he has reworked his jump shot
2: and I mean, part of it is, is confidence, but Lonzo Ball was confident in his jump shot even when it was going in. So I guess, but, but it it and a phrase you use, and I think this is really important, I don't know who we credit to, is the, the versatility oh, I made that of his up. jump shot and the utility. Yeah, so it looks, before it was, you know, there were times that it was going in, but now he can get into that shot in a larger variety of ways, which is exceedingly important for a, a ball handler an initiator in the modern NBA.
1: Yeah, especially when one of those ways is dribbling, to his right, which with his previous shot form was uh, extremely difficult for him to do. But it's not only necessarily the jump shot and the spot up jump shot. He's taking more off the dribble. He's taking some shots from two point range. He had a post up fade away over his left shoulder. Another one of those shots that, with his old form, would have been really difficult for him to do. If you're, how are you going to shoot over your left shoulder on the post up? Shoot off your left hip. You're going to just get it knocked away by the guy. If you bring it right back into his body, he also ha- is starting to really look aggressive off the dribble. He's making some real moves, flashing some nice in and out dribbles, and he's got enough speed that if he gets up a little momentum and he can get the guy going the wrong way he can really get to the rim so we're seeing some driving kick action from him that we haven't seen before he actually just went at an at Mitchell and an iso in this game as well which Mitchell did not have the greatest defensive game he had five fouls and Struggled a fair amount. They had to go in another direction offensively. It was more of Ingalls and Bogdanovich uh, throughout a lot of the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I really like uh, what Ball has been doing. He still helps push the pace. He gives you offensive pace in the half court with his quick decisions, and he'll make one or two of those real wow passes. He does the hit-aheads as well. So, we're starting to see some sort of a facsimile of what those who were really high on him in the draft believed he could be. Now, is this fourth straight 20 point game from him is he going to keep scoring 20 a game i would be surprised at that especially once zion comes back and once uh you know if, when drew plays they're gonna have a lot of other options but i mean he's earning these big minutes played 37 tonight
2: and it ties in with another running storyline of the 2019-20 pelican season which is they got an absolute haul for anthony davis a portion of that was draft picks and pick swaps moving forward but the more compelling part was not only getting a bunch of young players who were already in the league, but young players who were already in the league who were close to their next nba contract brandon ingram who we'll talk about brief who we'll talk about shortly has had a had a breakout year and he's going to be a pending restricted free agent lonzo and josh hart i believe are both restricted free agents in 2021 absent an extension over the offseason and it wasn't to an extent you know like whatever they get from those players is a huge bonus assuming they can get contracts that are uh, you know that are as team-friendly as possible you never know with restricted free agency and i I would say right now things are looking rosier for the pelicans especially with ingram i mean that's the most important part of this but they're they're probably getting more from those players than maybe the lakers thought they were giving up
1: yeah ingram 35 points 12 out of 26 three of six from three again that three-pointers continues to look very good he hit a, a big tying three-pointer off the dribble late in this game which uh, was a 128-126 utah victory but i thought that ingram uh he was responsible for two 30-point games in this one because the guy who was guarding a lot of the time bogdanovich had 35 on his own and there were in particular a lot of miscommunications all of which involved ingram down the stretch Uh, first it was miscommunicating on a late switch and gobert got behind favors uh, or or really got behind ingram because favors didn't realize that they had late switched uh for a dunk then they run a pick and roll with bogdanovich who's guarded by ingram screening for mitchell messed up communication between Lonzo and Ingram two times in a row they get a couple of great looks out of that that should probably just be an auto switch where I don't think you're that worried about Bogdanovich on Lonzo in the post that you're not going to switch that and Bogdanovich had 35 points and zero assists so it's not like you're uh you think he's going to cut you up with his passing if you do have to double so that was definitely a concern I mean there are a bunch of other plays where Ingram just couldn't get through a screen on Bogdanovich I think he's fine as an iso guy but he's just that big spindly body it's really hard for him to get around screen so he did not have a good defensive game the defensive numbers on him this year uh, are very poor another guy who really struggled was jackson hayes and i've said this before but we you and i have been watching the nba for a long time what would you say if you got joe ingles coming at you on a pick and roll like what should you play him for
2: the pass or the drive to pass
1: yeah exactly right so and he never ever ever if he shoots a shot it's either it might be a three-pointer if you go way under but once he's inside the arc he's either going to shoot a left-handed layup all the way at the rim he doesn't have any kind of floater game really he does definitely not going to pull up for a two point jump shot like you and i've watched joe ingles for five years we know that Jackson Hayes was 14 five years ago. So he probably, if he was watching back then, he wasn't thinking, hey, what does Joe Ingles do on the pick and roll? And so he's just like, oh, Joe Ingalls is inside the arc. There's no one directly in front of him. I'm going to step up. Oh, now you just throw it right over your head for Rudy Gobert for a dunk. And so young guys just don't understand the tendencies. They don't understand how to feint towards the guy, keep him off balance.
2: Well, and there's there's even the basic part, and I don't know if this is me being a smaller human being than you, of you're so much bigger that you can react later. I yeah. think there's so, a, a, lot of, a lot of young players think I need to be there right away. And Tim Duncan is, is a player that I think of as being particularly great at this of i'm a real i have really long arms i'm bigger than this person i can get a lot more information before i commit and if jackson hayes can get that step and i mean i've complained about this with mitchell robinson a bunch who's a a talented player but just fouls too damn much like the bigger you are the bouncier you are the less you have to bite on everything and it seems like so many of those guys bite more often because
1: yeah that's a really a great way uh, of looking at it and the other thing too is that young bigs don't understand is number one Through verticality, or even just from kind of being in the vicinity, you're huge. Like, guys are going to be scared of you. They're going to rush it. You don't have the blocking the shot isn't your only way of stopping the guy. You know, if you even if you're a little bit late with your contest, you're still going to cause guys to rush it and maybe miss it a fair amount of the time if they even get there and even if they make the right decision. So, I think that you avoiding I mean, that's the I would say the biggest mistake that pick and roll ball handler or pick and roll defenders as bigs make is just committing to the ball handler to or and giving up that pass to the role guy and i think you you just have to trust yourself that you can get back there and at least make it difficult for these guys because you know all right if it's some unbelievable finisher you know if it's lebron james yeah you know you might want to react to him a little more quickly if it's joe ingles nah you can probably still get there in time he's not gonna like it anyway that was quite the digression um from utah's side I guess we should, let's talk about the end of the game here first, actually. Uh, Pels were down two. Uh, nobody scored in the last couple of possessions of the game. Pels are down two. Mitchell hit, hit a big floater late, and that turned out to be the winning points with a minute 12 left. That was after Ingram hit a tying three uh, at 126 ingram had a two long two that could have tied it don't mind the long two quite as much in that situation because you're just trying to get a bucket and you got to take what the defense gives you you know just simply scoring at that point in the game is maybe more important than uh, the extra point then there's that miscommunication uh, antonio daniels was all over that and they give up a wide open royce o'neill three they're just so lucky that that he missed that as a wide open corner three so pell's got a timeout 37 seconds left and try to set up a play for the two for one for Redick, and utah doesn't a good job of taking away the first option he has to take a couple of dribbles and he takes a a fading away long two that misses with 29 on the clock and or they they get the rebound with uh 29 on the clock so getting the two for one really important there do you like that shot in that situation or should he try to work it a lot around a little bit more because i mean that's definitely a difficult shot
2: and i believe they did still they did still have a timeout left i know gentry used one to set up that play i do think that they have yeah oh,
1: oh they had a timeout Uh, left. uh, That'll come up later.
2: That's right. Yeah, and so you can like then then you can run the clock down like the two for one is actually more viable because if they have no timeout left then even shooting with 20 with 29 left it gets really dicey so yeah I, i'm okay with it the i mean you have to trust you have to trust yeah. your defense a lot and they did end up getting that stop
1: yeah but it, it's unsatisfying uh, but you know even if you say you had you get up two thirty 30 shots the math is better on that than if you work it around for one 50 shot
2: yeah and 50 is pretty generous too.
1: uh yeah yeah at that point Point in the game certainly for on shots to tie or take the lead i think the league shoots about in the last minute of the game i think the league shoots about uh 35 now some of that skewed by desperation three-pointers at the end of games that where they know you need a three so uh, your, your actual number for just a two to tie with 30 seconds left isn't probably that low but still you're uh yeah i mean that shot that he shot was probably you know about a 30 percent chance of going in uh so jazz run the time down They run that pick and roll with Bogdanovich and Mitchell get it to Bogdanovich against Ball. Bogdanovich just takes the three over him without really dribbling and Ingram rebounds. I went back and looked the replay 5.2 remaining Alvin Gentry and Lonzo Ball both attempt to call timeout as Ingram begins to dribble it up. Roughs don't see either of them calling the timeout. By the time Lonzo went to call timeout, Ingram had already dribbled. So they would have, if that had been granted, they would have had to take the ball out probably with about four seconds left, but they would have been able to advance it with their one remaining timeout because he had already dribbled. You have to call it immediately upon getting the rebound to advance it unless you have two timeouts left, which they didn't. But with 5.2 left... I think you probably need to call that timeout and get in. So I think they really got hurt by the fact that they couldn't. Now Ingram pushed it absolutely as hard as he could, but he didn't have the option of driving and kicking. He had to go right into Gobert. Gobert actually fouled him. It was extremely difficult. Hit him on the wrist. What'd you say? He hit
2: him on the wrist. Yeah, that was it. Was yeah.
1: But it was. I totally understand the referees not being able to make that call because he. It was a scoop shot. Gobert's arm is coming down. He probably missed the ball by like an inch and then went down and hit his wrist. So it really looked looked like he blocked it and it also was just ingram kind of had nowhere to go you know even if gobert well
2: yeah like the shot had no chance of going yeah. in gobert he, didn't touch it so it, you know in the in the he but, was about to shoot it at it the bottom of the backboard
1: spell. basically you know he, it would have been impossible to squirt it through there so especially because it looked like a no hoper to start with and gobert is a great room protector like i understand why no call was made but it was technically a foul to be sure right as time expired um but and then there was a long review and the Pel's announcers were saying you know it, Maybe they're going to review it, but you can't You can't review it for a foul unless an actual foul was called. And then you could potentially challenge that foul call, but you can't, there's nothing, no call is made that you can review. So with that being the case, they just ruled that the game was over and uh, the Jazz won it. But yeah, definitely a, a miss for the referees there. Uh, the, the reaction what, the- what did uh Kane Fitzgerald have to say about it when the pool reporter asked him after the game.
2: Oh I do you, do you have that in there? Ivan Um it.
1: Yeah, let me see where I can find it. So he was asked, what did you guys see on the last play? We saw the drive to the basket by Brandon Ingram and we felt during live play that Rudy played legal defense. Felt during live play. And they what they reviewed after the play was to make sure there wasn't a clock malfunction. So kind of blew it by not asking him about the timeout there pool reporter, but because uh, both gentry and Alonzo definitely did call timeout at one point so well that is uh the last two re- minute report will surely provide some uh some consolation not not that i don't like the last two minute report but uh that's when
2: i, I yeah. would be- before we move on from this game i wanted to say one big picture yeah. thing which was considering drew holiday didn't play and obviously zion didn't play i still have a belief that i i think i like the pelicans the best i'm not saying they have the best chance but i think i like them the best of the potential eight seeds. you know the first six are pretty much locked up all those teams after has win today all those teams are over, 10 games or more over 500 um and then right now the thunder amazingly enough are four over themselves you know the pelicans don't have the best record of this group but when you think about representative health and all that kind of stuff like i i just i think they're playing better i think they have a decent shot well
1: 538 does project them to be the well not to be the ac because they're only giving a 40 percent chance but giving the highest chance uh trailblazers 30 percent, wolves 20 percent. actually uh i think I think the Grizz are technically tied for the eighth seed right now with percent or they might have the tiebreaker over the Blazers that's amazing Grizz
2: I, I believe the Spurs have it because oh yeah win tonight in oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah over- they're, they're
1: 15 and 20 yeah I mean and honestly I mean well when you say you like them the most does that mean you think they're the best team the rest of the way out of those or that you think they'll actually yes. get it
2: I think they're the best team I think on paper they're the best team now they have a bunch of injury questions with with their roster and I mean I, I always have the idea idea that portland could play better they'll get nurkic at some point but yeah i i think the pelicans to me have the the highest reasonable ceiling maybe not the 100 percent, but like this 80 percent outcome for them i think i like it better than any of the other teams in this group
1: yeah and zion was doing some he did a between the legs dunk from a standstill today uh i didn't see video well, I of think, it
2: and, and he's gonna do five on five on tuesday I believe.
1: yeah so it seems like they have five games in eight days right now they're in the middle of this stretch but it seems like it's gonna be within the next couple weeks for him to come back and maybe the biggest thing that he can do to help them is just get Jackson Hayes out of there and he'll play backup center for them. Like that that might actually... Now, I mean, he's a great player, but for as of right now, you just talked about their playoff chances that just giving them one more viable option. I mean, they're not going to stop anyone with those lands, but they weren't stopping anyone with Hayes out there either. So to just say, hey, we're going to outscore you on the second unit with Zion and just run it down your throats, I think uh, could be pretty awesome to see. So yeah, you, you might be right. And they do have an extremely easy schedule at the end. Now, because it's the Pels if they suffer an injury to favors or drew holiday or zion goes down again then maybe it'll be a different story but they do seem to be playing the best of any of these groups i still am not running off the spurs though i think i mean they waxed the bucks pretty badly they've had some pretty impressive wins of late. they killed the pistons at home a couple weeks ago or i think it was within the last week or so so they're really starting to play better and the fact that they have the best record of that group now they've had a very easy early schedule and i think a big part of their low chances to only three percent for 538 are reflected by that but especially towards the end of the season that can change a lot and they seem to be playing better and we've seen them come on just last year they had a really rough start also and they're not really in that much worse position now than they were last year when you consider the reduced competition so they would i would probably pick them over the pels but and put them in that mix i'm not taking the wolves too seriously right now maybe if towns comes back uh, that will change they, they're on a nice run but it's also been a tissue paper schedule for them um all right anything else we got to talk about here i think we can uh wrap up we have
2: a teensy bit of news you want to just hammer it out now
1: uh yeah sure what do we got
2: a couple of a couple of pieces machinations related to to the guarantees of of contracts. So that date for people is January. It's January 10th is the guarantee date. But what that means as a practical consideration is that players have to be waived by, I believe it's 5 p.m. Eastern on the 7th. So we're starting to see teams make those moves. Cleveland is maybe the most interesting. They waived Alphonso McKinney, and then they also waived Tyler Cook. And some were surprised that they based... I, I believe they converted Tyler Cook and then waived him. I believe the reason why that happens most frequently is because because you could be worried that another team is going to claim your two-way player and it is a much larger commitment to claim a about to be guaranteed other player and so this makes it more likely actually for Cleveland to bring him back whether that's on a 10-day or on a differently structured contract
1: yeah so uh, that seems to be why they did that and Cleveland they may be trying to make some moves to take on some long-term salary we've heard about that they already did that with Dante Exum and maybe we'll see uh, another move of that ilk we could see buyout there they're going to be i'm sure doing the churn at the bottom of the roster just trying to find some viable cheap contributors uh, for the rest of this season that's not going anywhere they would probably want to keep some open roster spots so if they do a trade for some of these larger salary guys they can take back two maybe even three players and you can have only 13 guys on your roster for periods of time so maybe they even want to go into the trade deadline with only 13 guys on their roster and you can go two weeks with that so that's probably what all this is about is just to have the flexibility to take on maybe more than one player coming back uh, without having to wave guys um and then the wizards no, yeah go ha- ahead.
2: oh sorry we should the other thing we should mention for cleveland is thankfully better news oh, yeah. than we expected on kevin porter jr uh he it looks like it's more of like a two-week injury as opposed to what looks like it could have been far more severe
1: yeah it's a knee sprain but sounds like nothing uh there is torn at least and i was uh, as i mentioned on yesterday's show extremely fearful seeing that live so sounds like he'll at least be able to return uh, at some point this season i'm sure they'll be extremely conservative remember we still haven't even seen uh dylan windler yet either uh, for cleveland and the kevin love missed uh, the game against the wolves due to rest larry nance and tristan thompson are both uh been out also so uh Ante Zizic, john henson uh, been getting a lot of run for them uh and then there's some uh, interesting machinations here for the Wizards as well
2: right so they waived Jonathan Williams and Justin Robinson and it looks like those moves were done to allow them to keep Gary Payton the second remember the the Wizards have also been they've had two hardship players which is pretty amazing due to the massive spate of injuries they've had in Hachimura's out at least another two weeks and
1: wow, Gary still Payton, huh with it with the groin that's uh
2: yeah that's the last that I must have been was an extremely,
1: extremely severe injury then I mean you don't see you guys miss that much time from our groin necessarily that must be like
2: well he had it he had a minor procedure on him on his groin that was i'm trying to remember who had that originally who had that report? uh the ap is originally who had that or who i saw it from
1: yeah well in, in any event yeah uh so uh, the whiz also you might expect them to be active at, at the trade deadline they've done a nice job uh, of finding contributors at the bottom of the roster so um uh, we, we may have to check on fred Katz though if justin robinson has been waived but uh other than that they i'm sure uh, will continue to try and be creative around the margins which the done a nice job of uh Dwayne dedman was in fact fined fifty thousand dollars for uh what was deemed to be a trade request uh, i'm sure he argued that just saying i would like to be traded doesn't count but uh, apparently not and uh mark stein reporting today and then some counter reporting or if that not, not necessarily counter reporting sorry dan uh, but clarifying reporting that there is some discussion of Boyan or Bogdan Bogdanovich for Kyle Kuzma, a trade built around that. There need to be some salary filler involved there as well for uh, the Lakers. And then the clarifying reporting was that, the Kings aren't really trying to move Bogdanovich they're okay with him being a restricted free agent they would need to get bowled over and that just doing him straight up for Kuzma and salary filler wouldn't be enough which I would agree with I think Bogdanovich is way better than Kuzma I would love Bogdanovich on the Lakers but I don't think Kuzma would be a great return especially because he is uh the blurst of fits next to Marvin Bagley and Harrison Barnes
2: that said would you like I mean Kuzma might be better than those guys depending on how things work out
1: but the other guys yeah. have,
2: have the have the commitments i mean harrison barnes with his big money bagley with
1: the draft Uh, you know a point that was made to me was that all these laker youngs who have been traded have actually pretty much looked better in another uniform that maybe that might be kuzma as well and and i think he's better and
2: and funny for the kings to make a bet that another team's players would do well there when teams did that on kings players for all these years hey
1: uh rashawn holmes has looked better in a king's uniform he has but he healed looked better in a king's uniform uh dwayne deadman less so all right anything else we got or or can we wrap up here
2: i'll i'll mention that i have um if you haven't listened to the podcast i did with sam bassini that was fun we did some draft stuff and then some big picture things and also written work actually my written work is reappearing um at the athletic i have uh, a three-piece series that's going to start on tuesday i split the thirty teams into the categories of the the largest expenditure they can make so cap space non-taxpayer mid-level taxpayer mid-level the cap space teams will be first and it's not in depth but it's meant to kind of start setting the stage for what is a very weird 2020 offseason
1: all right we'll be back tomorrow with more oscar we got five episodes for you guys this week Uh, back to the bread and butter we will have the 15 and 60. That's probably second half of that's probably gonna be Wednesday and hoping to have a guest on for tomorrow. That'll be fun. If that indeed comes to fruition, got my fingers crossed. Talk to you
0: all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment.